0: Well, uh, thank you for that intro, Karis. Hang, that's not the picture I sent you. Uh, I see where uh, Seiji gets his roasting from, so I, I, blame, I blame that on you. <laughs> so good morning, everybody. Um, is anyone excited to uh, get some candy next week for Halloween? Any candy lover- lovers? I know Ian is an N. Ian hates sweets and candy. So everybody except for Ian, right? So in October of 2020... The uh, National Retail Federation said that Americans as a whole spend nearly $2.6 billion on candy. And uh, that equated to about 600 million pounds of candy, about three and a half pounds per trick-or-treater. So the article says, right, $2.6 billion on candy. Now that's a lot of candy. How much would you say in dollar amount? that we waste of that $2.6 billion. Just shout it out. 2.5. 2.5? What else? Not a thing? Not a thing? <laughs> so in the same article, they said calculations suggested that we waste about $400 million in that Halloween candy every year. Man, $400 million. And that uh, equated to about $5 per person, they said. So now we can laugh about you know wasting $400 million on candy, but man. That's a lot of money, right? Um, and, and today we're going to look uh, in, in Corinthians and just uh, see how we should be good stewards of what God has given us. Um, so if you would stand, I know a pastor this a couple of weeks ago. Stand up, please. We're going to read God's word. Um, turn into your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 15, and I'll read today's text. Not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. accordingly, we urge Titus that, as he had started, so he should complete among you this very act of grace. But as you excel in everything in faith and speech and knowledge in all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others had no lack. Let us pray. Lord, we just thank you so much that uh, you've just given us so much um, in our lives for just being yourself, God, uh, for just extending your act of grace towards us, Lord, and saving us and loving us and redeeming us, Lord. Uh, Lord, we just pray that um, that just pours out in generosity uh, to those around us that you just change your work in our hearts and lives. Um, allow us to be changed by your word, moved by your spirit, Lord, and just uh, Live out the love that you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can take a seat. So, in our text right now, we see this word grace repeated four times throughout the passage. And we're going to dive into that today and just kind of see what it means and how that changes our lifestyles every single day. So, if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to jot down this big idea. Because of the grace of God, we are generous. Because of the grace of God, we are generous. So, being generous isn't natural to us, right? That doesn't come easy. Um, I have a, a year and a half-year-old niece, and her idea of being generous is giving you a toy, and then coming right back and taking it and leaving it away, right? And so, like that—that's—that's that's prone to us, right? We we usually like to do this with things rather than having open hands. Um, but because we have received God's grace, and we're going to see this throughout the passage, our hearts and our minds are changed by it and we give generously. Our first component to grace that leads to being generous is this. Grace is rooted in God's love. Let's look at the text. It says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. And we can just stop it right there, right? The grace of God that has been given to the churches of Macedonia. Isn't that special? That God's grace is given to his people in his church, right, and we see this word grace four times throughout here. So, what is grace? You may, have, you may never have heard of it before, but grace is a free gift, right? Me giving you something you don't deserve, not expecting anything in return. And we see the most beautiful act of grace, right, in John three sixteen, that the world has ever seen, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. See His free gift that costed Christ everything. And us, nothing, was simply all generated out of God's love for us. See, when we accept what Christ did on the cross, our hearts must be changed by the grace that we receive from God, therefore, giving graciously to those around us. Now, let's provide some background here. See, Paul starting off this section by telling the Christians in Corinth what's been going on at uh, at the churches in Macedonia. See, it says, And for a severe test of affliction, their abundance joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So what's going on here? Biblical scholars uh, suggest that Christians in Macedonia, they were struggling, right? They were having a tough time, um, and they were just going through a hard season. We see Paul first discussed in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verses 1 through 4, where he first gives a call to these churches in Corinth to help out these churches in Macedonia. See, Paul is telling the, the Christians of Corinth that even though the Macedonian Christians are struggling right now greatly and they're in a tough season, that they themselves have learned to give generously. David Guzik says this He says, In giving, the real issue isn't giving money, it is giving ourselves to the Lord. If we really give ourselves to the Lord, then the right kind of material giving will naturally flow. See, our hearts must be changed by the grace we accept from God to give graciously towards those around us. And I like how Paul, he sets up two different tensions right here that are going on in verse 2. Look at it. And he wants to make this very clear to us, right? He's putting on uh, affliction and what goes on in our lives, to us and around us. And he's putting this in the right biblical pr- perspective. So he compares affliction to abundance of joy and extreme poverty and overflow of wealth and generosity. Do you see that there? He's putting together two sets of actions That are completely opposite. So don't miss this. I should not base my joy or generosity on what's going on around me or how I feel. Let's look at the first set of contrasts here. Affliction versus abundance of joy. So you may be asking, how do you have an abundance of joy, right, during affliction, when you're going through rough times, when you're in a tough season, when you're going through a trial? I love how Francis Chan says this in his book, Crazy Love. A person who is obsessed with Jesus is more concerned with his or her character than comfort. Obsessed people know that true joy doesn't depend on circumstances or environment. It is a gift that must be chosen and cultivated. A gift that ultimately comes from God. And this free gift is called grace, right? See, our joy is not found in our circumstances, but solely on who God is and what he has done. See, I I don't know what you may be going through today. Uh, You might just be coming off a a rough, challenging week, uh, a rough, challenging year, months, right? Um, But can I encourage you today? God's unconditional love and his continual acts and gifts of grace are available to you no matter what challenge you're facing today. And because of that, we can have joy. See, we we find comfort in Romans 8.28, and it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good and for those who are called according to his purpose. See, the Macedonians got this, right? They understood that everything that was going on was going on by the work of God's hands and going on according to his purpose. And because of that, we we serve a good, loving father. Could it be that God might be purifying you in this season? Um, I I know the book of James, and, and last time I was up here, I preached on James and hearing and doing God's word. And I just love how the book of James just really tells us that trials refine us right? He's taking these things, burning these things out of us that are ungodly. And God's trying to purify us to make us look more like him. See, the Christians in Macedonia, they knew how to rejoice always, to pray without season, and to all things give thanks. Yes, even in an affliction, even in extreme poverty, even in whatever you might be going through today. See, I can have joy even when I don't feel like it. I remember Pastor Jeff uh, a few months back was talking about the feelings train, right, and not allowing the feelings train to drive our lives, right, that we should be drivers of that. So we can have joy when we don't feel like it. I can rejoice simply because of who God is and his love for me, right, and what he's done, even when I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or even when I don't have energy to make it through the day. See, also in verse 2, we see our second pair of contrasts that Paul is really a uh, comparison here, right? We see extreme poverty versus overflow and wealth of generosity. I just love how Paul is really encouraging the Corinthians by the way of the Christians in Macedonia, right? This is kind of weird, but it's beautiful. and Because the, the, the church in Macedonia has, has understood and they've learned that it's only by love does one give generously, simply because of the grace that they've been given by God. See, God's word consistently over and over elevates spiritual wealth over material wealth of this world. James 2.5 says this, Listen, my beloved brothers, have not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? See, I think as believers sometimes, right, we get this identity crisis that's going on. Right? We really look at the world, what's happening to us, and we pull in all these things to figure out who we are, right? Um, rather than what God has promised to his children and what Christ has already accomplished on the cross. See, if you're a believer in Christ, don't you know that you're a son or daughter of God and you've been given a great inheritance? Uh, me and Dave are going through the book of, of Ephesians 1, and I just love this. And I think a lot of times we don't even remember our inheritance, right? Ephesians 1, 11 through 14 states this. With the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Shouldn't that give us joy and rejoicing no matter what's going on, church? Gosh, I hope you're encouraged today by that, right? It's, it's not that I, I feel what's going on. And even when I feel that, you know, things are just rough and hope might be over. Church, we, we live hopeful as believers, not hopeless, See, Paul continues in his letter in verse 3 just discussing selfless generosity by giving beyond their means and how this church of Macedonia was able to do this. And this solely can only happen if you've accepted the loving grace of God. You've been changed by it, and you're allowing it to spur this generosity within you. See, the Bible tells us our hearts are wicked. It's only by a transformation of the heart, walking in the grace of God through Christ, Do we only give according to our means, but not just according to our means, but beyond it? See, Paul gives the order in verse 5 of how these Macedonians were able to give generously. I love it. They said that they gave first to the Lord and then towards them. The Macedonians understood what came first, right? And they were just fulfilling the greatest commandment, right? Loving your God with all of who you are and then loving your neighbor as yourself. See, church, I, I, I sometimes want us to think, you know, are we giving our first to the Lord? First of our time, our money, our resources, our love. See, it's getting to know God and growing that relationship. Is that your first priority every day? Are you giving him your all in the fulfilling the greatest commandment? Now, I know I can grow this significantly, right? And I'm sure you can, too. How's your daily quiet time with them? How's your worship time? How's your listening and being led by the Spirit of God? See, it's just by God's love for us and His grace that we want to grow in knowing Him and love for Him. And secondly, that's spurring us to love others. And when we experience the loving grace of God, it motivates us to be generous and we live this out. I love 1 John 3, 16 through 18. It says, By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Church, let us be the ones that lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Let us not be the ones that see our brothers and sisters in knees and just ignore and walk past them, right? That's just my hope and prayer for us here right here in Fairfax. See, right after this, we see Paul specifically missioning Titus here in verse 6. So why is he calling out Titus? Why is he mentioning him right here? Uh, Guzik says, Paul's associate Titus, as the bearer of this letter, was supposed to encourage the Corinthian uh, Christians to actually give him the collection and then he would give it to Paul. He was supposed to make certain that they actually followed through on what they had intended to do earlier. See, Paul just wanted to make an extra emphasis that the people were actually hearers and doers of God's word, that they were doing what they were supposed to do uh, based on giving these offerings. See, similar to the charge that we right here, our our elders and our leaders are given here at at Fairfax Bible Church to make sure that We're using the grace and the love of God that he's given to his church uh, very uh, resourcefully, right? And, And using you and your gifts and everything that God has given us here. See, here at Fairfax Bible, we say a growing disciple does what? Worships Christ, walks with Christ, and works for Christ. There you go. You guys pass. See, more specifically right here, I think Paul is really looking at the works for Christ piece. See, uh, if if Paul was saying, he would say, you know, how are you serving God's church? Are you working in your gifts? How are you guys doing this? And and, uh, We know that the Bible tells us that every believer has been given a gift. Are you using your gift to build up the kingdom of God in his church? Are you using it to serve others? How's your work ethic with these gifts? See, if you don't know what the gift is, can we encourage you just to start serving, right? We just talked about Go Beyond. On our Next Steps page, uh, we have uh, opportunities for you to to start serving and getting involved. And uh, right now, I just want to shout out our student mentors. Uh, We got seven of them, and I just love them so much because they do such a great job with our kids. And just, (laughs) just to see them walking their gifts, right, of just just loving those around them and just taking time out of their schedules. These single folks and this married couple could be doing anything with their time, but they've devoted it to the church of God and his people, and that's beautiful to see here. Church, let's give to the Lord our first in all of who we are. See, I love how Paul says this in 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 14. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointed me to his service, Though formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And by the grace, there's that word again, of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. See, see, Paul understood that he was on the other side of receiving this grace, right? He was an opponent of God, but because of the grace and mercy of God, he's like, look, I got to go do something with this. Right? I gotta go love those. I gotta love God. I gotta love those around me. I gotta serve, right? Is there anyone here happy that we have a God who overflows with this grace, right? That He gives it every day. He gives it freely, and we should give that to those around us as well. I love how the Psalms says is in Psalms 86:5, "For You, O Lord, are good and unforgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon You." We have a heavenly Father, you all that abounds in steadfast love towards us. See, I just love how, how uh, Paul sandwiches this thing here. You see, he starts with grace, and he finishes with grace in this section. He's trying to tell us all about the loving grace of God towards us. See, our second component of grace that leads to being generous is this. Grace is reciprocated towards others. See, we know that grace is a selfless act. And we should reciprocate that heart of a generous God to those around us. So you may be saying, what what things should I be generous with in reciprocating, right? Love, forgiveness, time, gifts, resources. Now, Paul digs deep here in verses 9 through 15. I just love this section because to me, this is the why we give, right? I'm a why person. I want to know why I'm doing things. I think Paul really just emphasizes it right here. But let's look at verses 9 and 10. This is for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. You guys know Jesus was rich, right? He had everything right? But he came humbly down to earth to sacrifice his life on a cross for us. See, we are rich because of the sacrifice of Jesus, right? He had everything and just gave it up for for me and you, those of us who are poor in our faith, to become rich in Christ. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that good news? That's the gospel right there, Philippians 2, verses 4 through 8 says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Wow. Right? We see a humble Savior uh, before going to the cross riding on a donkey. Right? Really just showing humility here and what that is. I love verse 11 and how it finishes out. It says, so now finish doing it as well so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. Paul just saying right here don't just say it, but do it, right? We have a lot of people, I think, who says, I want to do this, I want to do that. Well, who's going to start doing it? Start doing it, right? God has blessed us with so much, so many things. We need to start being doers of God's word, right, and not just hearers. See, I love how Paul keeps going on verse 12. For the readiness is there. It is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what a person does not have. Paul just keeping it simple right here. He's saying, do you have a gift Okay, then give it, right? Francis Chan states, he says, uh, people who are obsessed with Jesus give freely and openly without censure. Obsessed people love those who hate them and who can never love them back. Wow. How are we doing with that, church? Um, I'm going to be honest with you guys. That, that really hit me this week. Um, myself, Jeff, and Stephane are in the group chat. And uh, Stephane sent me a verse about forgiveness this week, and it really hit me hard. Um, I was really struggling with a coworker, and um, I was like, man, you know, uh, it, 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 you, you feel righteous, right, in your anger and your bitterness towards them. And just God just really broke me down and was like, hey, Will, you're going to be generous with your forgiveness. And uh, it, uh, it's just really humbling. I just want us to grow in that, right, um, especially those what Paul, that Francis Chan said, right, who can never love us back. Verse 14, he goes on challenging challenges them even more in being generous, right? He says, your abundance in the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that they may be fairness. So we see reciprocal actions right here between the churches, right? So you see the church of Macedonia who's lacking, who's needing additional help, giving to the church of Corinth. When Paul's charging the church of Corinth, to give them Macedonia, this reciprocal act of grace between each other. Church, we have so much in Fairfax, is ridiculous. <laughs> According to US News in 2020, the top three richest counties in the United States are right here in Nova. A quote from a recent John Piper's podcast, I love this. Piper states, I think it is my job as a biblical voice trying to be faithful to what's there to disturb the wealthy, including John Piper especially him, by drawing attention to the ways that the New Testament relentlessly pushes us towards simplicity and economy for the sake of gospel advancement and away from luxury and affluence and finery. I think we should all insert our names in there, right, in this quote, and just creating this good wrestling and this good tension that goes on with our flesh and inside of us, right, of just seeing how we're being a good steward over everything that God has entrusted us. Now, we got to be careful with this, right, church? We don't want to fall into legalism, right? Like, it's easy for us to say, all right, God, I donated X amount of dollars this week. Uh, I, I served this many hours to your church, right? I've given uh, this amount of money this year to your church. Um, but we know we do this out of love, right? And when it's done out of love, it's done for the right reasons. We don't find ourselves on this seesaw of, did I do enough to be justified by God or did I earn enough favor with God for him to love me and be in right standing with him? So can I tell you something, church? There is nothing you can do or I can do to make God love us more but just resting and accepting the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness of the completed work of Christ on the cross. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's the gospel right there, and I just love it. See, I love him, Paul says in Ephesians 2. For by grace, there's that word again. You have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no man may boast. We have no reason to boast, but only in Christ Himself. See, verse 15, I love how Paul closes this section out by taking a quote from the Old Testament. He says, As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. So, where is this quote from? It's from Exodus 16, 18, right? When the Israelites are out in the wilderness, they're roaming, and they're getting this manner for heaven. And God is telling them, like, don't be greedy. Take what you need for today, and be a good steward over everything that you have, right? And if you have more, give it towards those around us. Uh, as the worship band comes up, I just want to close out uh, right now. And uh, oftentimes I'm, I'm, I think about uh, the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, right? Uh, So Jesus is telling this story, and he talks about um, the first servant, he's given five talents. He goes and gets five more talents. And then the second servant gets two talents, and then he goes and makes two more more talents. And then you get this third servant who's been given one talent. He just digs it in the ground. And uh, verse 24 picks up. He said, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own interest." So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will be given more, and he who, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Church, are we the ones that bury the grace of God and his love and the talents that he gives us? Or are are we the ones that are being generous with the gifts, our time, our comfortability, our resources, our finances, our loved ones, our faith by not sharing it with those around us? Or are we like the church in Macedonia, right? That even through suffering and trials, we've learned to not focus on ourselves and what's going on around us. But just walking in the grace and the love of God. In being generous. Let us pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for the truth of your word of just who you are, God. We just thank you and just stand in awe of your continued unconditional love for us. God, just renew our hearts this week and our minds in that. Allow just the grace that we've been given, accepted by you, Lord, to spur us on to generous acts and love towards those around us this week lord we pray that you grow us in that um lord maybe some of us don't know our gifts and what you've given us lord show that to us allow us to to just be uh, bold and uncomfortable this week lord and whether it's inviting people over our house for dinner um, who we may never talk to whether it's sharing our faith with a co-worker or a loved one maybe lord it's just um Stop taking hold over our lives and just trying to be in control of everything and just generously giving it to you, God. Lord, just grow us in that. Let us just feel your unconditional love and all these things we pray in your name.